It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Last time that I checked, it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Tuesday edition of Lockdown Rams, we are really, really excited for our guests that we have on today. We've got a full week of content, so tune in as we got a bunch of awesome people joining the show this week. But for today... We have got pro football focus analyst Mike Cahill. Mike, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing awesome. I'm excited to talk to you because uh, pro football focus has been a big part of our show. During the season, uh, we almost every Tuesday was bringing up pro football focus stats and numbers and uh, things that you had put together for us and talked them over on the show and kind of talked about how that developed throughout the season. And I just love pro football focus in general, but just to kind of give people maybe a better understanding of the background, um, you know, we see these numbers pop up and sometimes they don't make sense to us because they're just numbers and how much work goes in behind creating these numbers and, and just kind of creating a grade in general for the players throughout the season. Oh man, it, it's something that, you know, you can tell someone how much work goes into it, but you can't understand or appreciate it until, you know, you're, you're kind of behind the scenes with it. It's, it's insane. The amount of man hours that go into developing the the numbers that, you know, you almost can't go anywhere without hearing or, or seeing anywhere. So, um, you know, they, they usually have, you know, each process will have quite a few people, like two or four people doing a copy with a reviewer. So, I mean, it's, you know, you're looking at like four or five people just for one process and, it's being thoroughly reviewed and I mean, it's even getting cross-checked and checked out by the, uh, by NFL teams as well. I mean, if they have a discrepancy that they're not agreeing with, they can bring it up and, you know, odds are it's not going to change, but they, they definitely are more than welcome to, to uh, bring up a, a concern with us. Yeah. It's pretty cool to see how you guys have come along over the past couple seasons. It started as uh, you know, kind of something, you know, us football nerds was, were geeking out on and always trying to look up numbers. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's, you know, it's on the broadcast. The numbers are on the bottom. Um, so it's been awesome to see the growth of Pro Football Focus and to take the game to that next level of analysis, which has kind of been fun for us. You know, like I said, football nerds. Uh, and guys, don't forget, you can also follow Mike Cahill at PFF underscore Cahill. And that is C-A-H-I-L-L. And then PFF underscore L-A Rams. Uh, as well as the podcast. Don't forget to go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Lockdown Rams on all accounts. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, as well as the new streaming service Himalaya, which is pretty awesome. You guys should go check that out. Uh, we are partnering up with them. So don't forget to ask when you get in your car, ask your smartphone, play podcast, Lockdown Rams. Boom. There you go. We're going to get all that awesome stuff. But as for today, you know, man, we had a great season. Obviously didn't end the way. Uh, we all wanted to in the Super Bowl with, you know, really, if you if you looked at the numbers all season and then you looked at the game, it wouldn't make sense at all uh, as far as what happened. But, you know, overall as a team, how did this team perform across the league as far as numbers go? 
not, and I will say, yeah, that was a disappointing end of the season. That was a, a tough game to watch, but you know, one that you, you assume or don't want to say assume, but uh, you hope that they'll be back again and they have the team to do it. So, but uh, across the board, I mean, they, they stacked up pretty well. Uh, they were uh, the number one overall graded team in the league by PFF standards, which is just a cumulative grade for, uh, you know, offense, defense, uh, passing, uh, tackling, all things like that. And obviously, you know, Aaron Donald definitely brought the, uh, the defensive grade up quite a bit there, you know, cause it, like I said, it does, it does account for every single player. So when you have a, a guy like Aaron Donald, it kind of, it brings it up quite a bit. Yeah. And, and overall too, they're, their lowest graded game of the year also happened to be the Super Bowl. So, oh, the uh, yeah, they picked quite a game to to uh, to have their worst. That's for sure. Yeah, that's the tough thing about losing in the Super Bowl is you know it's obviously the biggest game of the season, uh, and then you have all of off season to judge that one game. Like you said, the worst game of their whole season comes at the you know the most biggest time of the state you know the biggest stage right. in the game and and now we have this whole offseason to break it down uh but you mentioned you know that defensive grade and how much Aaron Donald uh contributed to that I think the defensive grade was 89.8 which was third overall which is weird because you would think you know third overall grade you looked at the season and they had some ups and downs and there was definitely times where they didn't play like the third graded uh defense but again when you have Aaron Donald and how dominant he is. Talk to me a little bit more maybe about Aaron Donald, some of the numbers that he put up that are just freakish. Cause you know, looking at sometimes he was other people weren't even close to where he was at. You know, and it's it's a player of his caliber, you know, you kind of you start to run out of thing run out of things to say about the guy, but he's always giving you more to talk about, no matter what. I mean, every single year he's been in the league, he's never graded below an elite level grade, which is for us ninety point oh or above. Um, every single year from rookie to now, and it's it's gone up. I th- the one year it, it didn't go up went down by like point two <laughs> grade. So and then this past season was his highest grade, you know, at a ninety five point six, which is insane. And uh, you know, and you and you look at it toward like the amount it, it value to his team is that he had one hundred and six quarterback pressures, which you know if you add up the next the, the next three most by any uh, player on the Rams defense, he's got one less than them three combined, which unfortunately, you know, maybe you get one guy that puts up 60 pressures or something off the edge and it could make a difference there in in a Super Bowl run to, to create that extra turnover. I mean, the guy at some times throughout the year was looking like he was just a one man show. And I mean, he was even getting MVP consideration, which for a player at, you know, interior defender, that's insane. So yeah, and I, while you mentioned that, I, I want to get your take on it because you know it, it was a hot topic near the end of the year as we were talking about it, and you know, looking at you know if we're talking strictly PFF numbers, it's it almost seems like a no brainer, especially if you look at the longevity of what he's done that he should be in consideration of that. But defensive player, not the wow factor. Uh, do you think there's a chance Aaron Donald, if he keeps on this track and maybe like you said, getting better and better, it was his best season last year? that he'll ever have a chance uh, to go get that MVP? You know, in a, in a offensive league, it's kind of hard for a player, regardless of what he does, I feel, on the defense to, uh, you know, at his position to to truly get that possibility, you know, for it to possibly happen. But, I mean, you know, it, I didn't say – I wouldn't say it's not warranted. But if you're going off a, like a sheer 
Um, value standpoint, it's probably going to go to like a quarterback or a receiver. And I mean, even now running back, you see they kind of, you know, with the, the analytics and all that, it's kind of pushing people away from running backs, even getting an MVP conversation there. So, you know, it's probably, you're probably, it's, it's going to be tough. That's for sure. I mean, you know, JJ Watt had that one crazy year and he didn't get it either. Or even, I don't think he was as close as, you know, people remember. So, uh, it, it would yeah. be tough. He would have to, you know, at KC game, you watch that one, and I, I believe the Chiefs go down and score at uh, the end of the second, first half there, and it's a different game. But Aaron Donald goes and, you know, sacks him, and they get a touchdown because of it. So, I mean, if, if you ever had an argument, that game right there is one when you watch it and say, man, that guy's the MVP. Oh, for sure. That's That was a great example as well. And and I mean, I think it's going to take something crazy, right? And that's that's a mix of Aaron Donald breaking the sack record, you know, putting up, putting up a bunch of those type moments, three or four games where he is the impact player, and then maybe even mixing in a, a down year offensively for quarterbacks. Because like you mentioned, yeah. it is just tough in a value standpoint to go away from a quarterback, especially a guy like, you know, Pat Mahomes that just has a crazy season, um, you know, leading that team offensively and just kind of being the wow factor and how he was doing it. So uh, maybe a mixed factor of things, but man, it's, I mean, he can't play much better uh, and get, get a, a better look at an MVP than he did last year. But man, I guess it goes back to hashtag pay the man. And I'm glad they did because man, that turned out pretty well. I mean, a guy that, you know, you, you talk about, you get those big contracts and someone comes out after they got paid and they're kind of, you know, let, let down as far as uh, production, motivation and stats. And, and it was the opposite. I mean, he came in uh, and even watch him this offseason. He's just working out like crazy and uh, expect good things from him moving forward. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. I want to talk to you a little bit about the offense. We'll go a little bit deeper into the defense. Uh, we're going to get some words from some of our sponsors. We'll be right back. Tuesday edition, Lockdown Rams, Bear and Mike right after this. It was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. I was selling songs in the set. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trail Blazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some 
pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. This is a Tuesday edition of Lockdown Rams. We've got Pro Football Focus Mike Cahill with us. Don't forget to give him a follow at PFF underscore Cahill. Cahill with a C. I'm sure you get that a lot. I get a lot of people saying my last name as Mater and Motor, and uh, you always got to let them know how it's done. So find him on on Twitter. He is awesome on there, uh, putting up a lot of great content also at PFF underscore Rams. Uh, I want to kind of flip the script here. We're talking a little defense to start this out. I want to talk to you about offense. Uh, as far as overall numbers, you know, talk to me about the Rams offense, maybe the top three players and who really stood out this year as far as numbers go. Well, you know, you got to you got to give it up for uh, Bobby Woods. That guy is, you know, I remember when the Rams first signed him. For you know those, you always get those knee-jerk reactions with the initial numbers, and people thought the Rams were insane to sign this guy to such an insane deal, and and now you see what he's capable of, and you know they saw it, and you know he's underpaid. He was the Rams' highest-graded uh, offensive player in the regular season last year with an 88 overall grade. Uh, sec, you know it's the highest grade he's ever had in his career. First year with the Rams was also his highest graded in his career up until obviously this year at a 79.1. So they were, he was definitely underutilized in Buffalo. I know they, they forced the ball a lot to Sammy Watkins, but he only had one season even above 70 in Buffalo. So uh, you know that's kind of what the, the scouting staff's for and the GM. They, they have, see a fit for a player and what they kind of project what he's capable of. And you know kudos to them for finding that guy and him being the, the security blanket and the guy, you know, especially when Cooper cup went down because, you know, that was, he was kind of a safety blanket. And then, you know, Robert Woods comes in, he takes over. And I think, you know, he had two games this year where he had a perfect passer rating when targeted, which was against Minnesota and Arizona, uh, Minnesota and Arizona. And uh, another two games where he was above 140. So um, he was very impressive this year. Yeah, and you talked about that contract, and it's crazy because you're right. When we signed him, a lot of people were like, meh, not so impressed. A lot of money for a guy that hasn't done much. And now you're looking at some of the dollars that the wide receivers even got in the last couple of years and even talking about the big guys all the way at the top with you know Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, and you're thinking, what a deal we got, right? Like he's He doesn't have that, that wow factor across the league that those guys have, but as far as production, uh, I mean, you talked about it. Two of his best years being out here in the Rams and – uh, highest grade pro football focus on the offense. Uh, it's just, you almost just look at that as like, wow, what a great value. And you talked about less need in the organization uh, and, you know, how great they've done as far as adding those type of players. And, you know, another player we'll talk about later or even in another episode is, you know, newly acquired Clay Matthews and kind of, you know, a lot of people down on him in his production. But this might be a very similar case of finding a guy and putting him in a right fit. Uh, that was definitely the case uh, for Mr. Woods, and you, you talked about you know how much he meant uh, to to Jared Goff. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I saw this somewhere. I can't find it right now, but that he only had two drop passes on the season. Is that correct? Yep, he did, and uh, they both came in the the middle of the field, less than ten yards, which was actually his highest rated area as far as terms of passer rating when targeted was right in between those numbers in the middle of the field. He caught. 23 of his 26 targets and two of those were drops which were his only two drops that's crazy that's crazy yeah. and that is that is like the definition 
of a dependable wide receiver. You know, throw it to me and I will catch it. And that was exactly what he yeah. did. And that's what Jared Goff needed. You know, especially you mentioned Cooper Cup went down. Uh, and I remember seeing, you know, kind of numbers that you guys put together as far as third down conversions and how those kind of uh, definitely dropped once Cooper Cup went down. But, you know, he always had Robert Woods to kind of fill in that spot. And you talked about over the middle, that seemed to be the money spot. And really during the Super Bowl, you felt like you wanted to see that a little bit more. That There was times even going back and watching the film that that was there. And Jared Goff kind of went elsewhere. And it was kind of like, man, this was our bread and butter. And we didn't yeah. seem to go to it much. But uh, what a season for him. Excited to have him back because, you know, with Cooper Cup returning and being healthy, uh, those guys were all on pace to, you know, average a thousand yards receiving this year. Obviously, the injury changed that. But two guys over a thousand uh, and the highest grade on the team. Not too bad. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I definitely feel like the Rams might have been uh, a Cooper Cup away from a Super Bowl. And it was, you know, I, I didn't want to say I jinxed them, but I definitely that morning of I, t- I tweeted something out saying, you know, I feel like. Like the offense is going to be stagnant, which, you know, without Cooper Cup, and that was just kind of a specific thing I threw out there. And I know someone told me I was, you know, they've been without him for X amount of time and I'm worrying about nothing. And, you know, it was stagnant. So I definitely yeah. feel like it would have been a different game with him there. And then kind of looking at this offense and, uh, you know, Jared Goff, I mean, just kind of how he's progressed since he's been here, you know, a lot of, criticism on him and even me as far as you know not so much the numbers but just trying to understand with the big contract looming coming up you know is he a 30 million dollar type of quarterback and the numbers keep showing him improve and improve especially under you know the system he has with McVeigh. um how was his numbers this year as far as statistically uh and his career in the past and and just where he fit in with the team you know and People give you know, there's criticism there. People, you know, I, I don't see it. I I think the the Rams are going to be fine, and I I wouldn't see a reason why he's not going to get that big contract. My only concern about the contract is, you know, should that hinder them being able to go out and get other players? But I mean, the numbers are there that they've increased every single year. I mean, you look at from a rookie year finishing with a 42.9 overall grade. And then, you know, he goes up to 73.8 in his second year, and now he's up to 85.5 for 2018, which, I mean, his numbers continue to, to climb, which is what you want to see. It's obviously you don't want to see them go down, and you don't want them want to see them stay the same. So, um, you know, and he, he was up there, I think, you know, in the elite category with, you know, the top couple quarterbacks there with Breeze and Mahomes for most of the year. You know, through 13 weeks, he was above 90. So he had an elite grade there. Uh, you take a look at that that rough three game stretch against Detroit, Chicago, and Philadelphia. You know he those three games he it was at thirty nine point three, which actually ranked thirty six out of thirty six quarterbacks. And mm. those defenses just you know they had a plan, and which you know it, it looked like they were daring them to run, and they kept throwing it. Which unfortunately, you know, I guess you know remember the Bears game there was no running against that, that front too, which yeah. you know, they had that, that line and, and then the Roquan Smith and uh, Trevathan there, those guys are, they're no slouch. So, I mean, it was kind of their best bet and it was one of his roughest game of the year. Yeah. And you talked about those games, those three games and, you know, it's crazy cause you know, we've gotten so used to the Rams 
being so good at home and on the road. Like two years ago, they went undefeated on the road. Uh, and then this last year, you know, they start, what, 11-0, whatever it was, and, and they were winning on the road. They're winning at home. They're winning in other countries. It didn't really matter where they were playing. Uh, but two of those three games you mentioned were on the road. And, you know, defenses late in the year start to kind of pick up on some things. And uh, NFC North defense really, both in the Lions and the Bears, really stuck it to us. And, and you talked about that balance of run and pass, and it really wasn't there. And you, you talked about that. But I think that Bears game, I, I want to say it was like, 10 or 12 uh, rushing attempts for Todd Gurley. And, and I think at one point he had two to start the game. I mean, it was just nothing going for him. Uh, and it was hard to watch at times. But, uh, you know, Jared Goff definitely, like you said, elite grade through those 11 games. Uh, is that kind of what you expect moving forward with him is kind of that elite level uh, growing with, with this offense, you know, weapons coming back? Uh, do you expect another, you know, standout year? Do you think defenses are maybe on that tilt and reading that those, you know, three or four games that he struggled uh, and and trying to put, you know, more pressure on him? I do. I, I expect to see it continue to grow and stay, you know, pretty pretty uh, level there and consistent moving forward. I think that's part of the deal is that, you know, you had the beginning of the year he looked phenomenal. I mean that that two game stretch there against the chargers and the Vikings, especially that Vikings game. He made those throws that you're like, this is exactly why they took him number one overall yeah. and what everyone saw. I mean, unbelievable throws that guy was making. And, and uh, I, th- I think what it is is that, you know, you've seen him throw a lot more and they took the ball out of, you know, the running back Todd Gurley's hands there. And I think what you're seeing is, you know, more of a trust from McVay that he's, He's fully under, like, trusting that Goff's ready to put the game in on his shoulders and you know make all the throws and just kind of be their workhorse because that's kind of you know that's where the NFL is going is through the passing game and and you know he he's got his quarterback and I fully expect him you know as long as they got the supporting cast and just keep him clean he's one of the best quarterbacks when he faces no pressure you know ninety two point six passing grade last year which he's always been up there in the elite grades passing from a clean pocket. So just keep him clean and, you know, he'll do the rest. Yeah, and that's right. It is. I mean, we are definitely in the passing world of the NFL. And the great thing about Todd Gurley is he's good out of the backfield as well. And, you know, with all the news about his knee and, you know, all the the stories and what's really going on, we'll find out as the season gets closer and, <laughs> and what we want to do. But it's probably going to be a passing first team. And we saw that in a few games and it really worked out. Uh, balance is always important, but protecting Todd Gurley in a long term when you just signed him uh, to the extension last year is definitely something they're going to have to keep in mind. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. And we're going to take a break. Got a couple more things on the offense, a few things on the defense. We'll wrap it up. Third edition coming up after this. Mike Cahill, Bear Motter, Lockdown Rams Tuesday. All right, Rams Nation, we are back third and final segment with Mike Cahill from Pro Football Focus. Uh, we've hit some of the offense, some of the defense. I want to ask, before we get back to the defense, we were kind of just coming off the offense here. You talked about, you know, Jared Goff, when being protective, 92%, per, uh, percent you talked about, and 
you know, that offensive line, we're going to have some different players there. Sullivan had the, the worst grade of his career, I believe, at about 51.7 uh, was his grade. But we had other standouts on that offensive line. Talk to me about a couple of guys that really pitched in on the O-line to help Jared Goff with a clean pocket. Yeah, you, I mean, you have to give it up for the most part. I mean, Austin Blythe, out of no, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but I mean, really, he... He was putting uh, put in as a starter in a pinch because of that Jamon Brown suspension, and you know he came in and he earned a you know seventy one point eight overall grade this past year, which you know is his highest. You know bouncing around from the Colts and you know practice squad, and you know is he a center? Is he a guard? No one really knows. Uh, and you know, outside of the Chicago and Philly game, he, he was rock solid. You know twenty one pressures throughout the throughout the season that he gave up. In just without those two games, he did give up five in each of those two games. Like I said, against Chicago and Philly, which I mean, you're going up against Fletcher Cox and Akeem Hicks, you know, and mm-hmm. you know things like that. You're gonna that's a tough matchup. So I mean, it's something to look for. You know, look look for in the future. Hopefully, he's not. You know, you know, he needs to be able to step up in those situations, obviously. But then Rob Havenstein, you know, just, just not just his numbers. I mean, he did give up a career low in pressures at 27 minus his rookie year, but he only played, you know, about 350 pass blocking snaps that year. But you look at his contract and he's still locked up for uh, quite a few years. And this next season is going to be his highest cap at, you know, it's, it's like 8.3 million, which, you know, for a starting tackle in the NFL, that's well below market value. And um, I think it's the highest it'll be for the rest of his, his contract, it dips below eight for the next two seasons after that. And then goes up to eight for the final year. I mean, the guy is a value and he's playing like it. He's, he uh, had his highest grade last year ever at 84.3. Yeah. You talk about value and, and now this is the second guy we've talked about with getting great value. And then another, you know, pro football focused stud, uh, haven't seen was just an incredible year. Another guy that got a big contract, uh, just like Aaron Donald. And really, I mean, you look at some of the contracts that were given our last couple you know, years. You talked about getting uh, Robert Woods. That's worked out awesome. Obviously, Aaron Donald got the big money and had the best season of his career. Todd Gurley got the extension, played amazing. Uh, haven't seen with the, the extension. Uh, and you talked about the $8.3 million cap hit next year. And, and that is a steal for a guy that you, know, you mentioned. That was fourth in the league overall as far as a grade and um you know 84.5 run grade was the first in the league so i mean those type of numbers that he's putting up ends up making a guy like Les need look like a genius and you know it is exciting to you know we talk about andrew whitworth and what he's meant and he has you know had tremendous games uh for the rams in the last couple of years but obviously at the tail end of his career but getting a guy like this uh, and blythe another young guy that also has some versatility because right now we don't really have a true center right now. Obviously, we have uh, Brian Allen, who didn't really see much of action at all last year. Uh, but, you know, you said that versatility of, of Blythe. It's really nice to know that you got these guys that are inter- interchangeable and really young and growing, finally getting a spot to, to produce. Um, and as I want to jump back over to the defensive side, uh, you know, we talked about Aaron Donald, the no-brainer of, you know, he, he, you almost could just rename it. Aaron Donald statistics. I mean, he dominates pro football focus. Like you said, back to back to back to back, whatever player of the year he's done. Um, but who else on the defense stood out to you as far as numbers go? Real quick, I just wanted to touch, you know, I, you mentioned the 84.5 run blocking grade there for Havenstein. And um, what what I find is more impressive is the fact that if you look at any, any of the, uh, you know, like the starting linemen in the entire league at any position, he was one of only two, 
two linemen to have above an 80.0 run blocking grade at all. Wow. Which, yeah, so he had the highest run blocking grade among all linemen, and the only other person above 80.0 was uh, Jason Kelsey. So, I mean, it was quite impressive. Yeah, and 84.5, so it wasn't like he just squeezed over. I mean, it was that's a great grade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, bouncing to the – to the defensive side, you know, obviously, you know, when you're, you're looking at the defense, you don't, you just exclude Aaron Donald, like you said. I mean, the guy's insane. But uh, some, you know, a promising guy who, honestly, I don't even think PFF had him on their big board going into that draft class. But John Johnson, the third, you know, he's mm. he's been playing great, and you know, he finished with uh, an 82.9 his rookie year, and then it went up again this this past season, 84.3, and he definitely made it possible to to bring in, you know. Obviously, Joiner his play went down last season, but um, it made it easier for them to let him walk. And then, especially, obviously, you could bring in a guy like Weddle. I think, you know, they they bring him in for two years, and you know, I know people talk about like the mentorship and things like that. And you're getting a great player in Weddle, but also, you know, imagine what he's going to do for John Johnson. He's just going to keep getting better and better. Um, he had. You know, he one of the he was one of the best tackling safeties in the entire league last year. Eighty eight point two tackling grade, put up thirty one defensive stops. So you know your your tackles at or a lot around the line of scrimmage. He was very impressive. You know, he held his own in in the passing game as well. Uh, a little better through the first eight weeks of the season. It kind of tailed off. You know, the weeks nine through seventeen. You know, he gave up a one or like one hundred eighteen point two pass rating versus his fifty nine point four through the first eight weeks. So. I mean, kind of, kind of something to watch going forward. But you know, he's more than capable of being a playmaker in the back end there of uh, of a secondary with with Weddle. Yeah, that that is awesome seeing Weddle come in, and, and you said it best. I mean, I really think that Joiner's exit really was big part in how awesome John Johnson was. It kind of looked at that position and said, well, we don't really need to spend that much money there. Uh, when, you know, right next to him, we've got, you know, John Johnson still on the rookie contract and, you know, we draft him in the third round. So we're getting a great deal on him at this point too. But, um, you know, so I'm glad you mentioned that and, you know, just the market wasn't there for Joyner. And it also brings in, like you said, the experience of Weddle to one, get a great player, but then a guy that can also, you know, help John Johnson. You look at who else he's got around him, obviously Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, just a great group in that secondary if they can stay healthy because I know at times when Talib went down obviously that played into Marcus Peters and some of those numbers are kind of correlating that uh, you know the way you could look at it there as well uh, also on the defense anyone else jump out from you well I mean I was outside of you know those top two guys there it was kind of hit and miss a lot I mean other you know Nicole Robbie Coleman he's been playing lights out the last two years again another player that has saw his you know seen his his overall grades at his highest of his career the last two seasons for since coming to the Rams, which, you know, this past year was his highest at 82.6. He let, he only allowed, so each coverage snap, you know, it's yards allowed per coverage snap. So, you know, he played quite a few coverage, obviously coverage snaps from the slot only allowed 0.71 average yards, which is third fewest among all slot cornerbacks, which the high, you know, the lowest was, 0.58 so I mean it wasn't like he was too far off there and uh averaged over 10 snaps in between receptions allowed so that's he played the most co- third most covered snaps in the league and another guy that was given a contract uh just recently an extension which I know to him meant a lot because he's bounced around quite a bit and this was really his first 
um, you know, multi-year deal where, you know, a team reached back to him and said, Hey, we want you. We're, we're really excited about what you've done. He's, you know, a, a product from Southern California. So, I mean, if you look at the position, you know, slot cornerback is, that's a starting position. I mean, it's kind of weird to say Jeff Fisher was ahead of the times when he said something like that, when he saw Joyner as a starting player, but it's true. I mean, with teams in 11 personnel, as much as they are, it, you know, it's insane that this guy bounced around and what's he getting like 5 million a year for yeah. that premium position at this point. Yeah. And, and, and really just also impactful plays, you know, big interceptions, uh, whether or not you want to talk about that pass interference, but you know, he seems to be around some big time moments and throughout the season, um, you know, did a great job with interceptions and pass to flex and just kind of being, like you said, limiting um, the yards per catch. Uh, he was a great addition in that slot position. He talked about as a starting uh, position and he was, he was huge and really added depth. Again, when we talk about Tlaib going down, uh, you know, having depth of that position was really important to kind of get through that time until Tlaib was able to come back. But, uh, you know, that is kind of the fun thing looking at this as far as the numbers. You talked about the two guys at the top and then, you know, some hit or misses, some really good performances and then some not so good performances. And what we're going to do, I'm excited to have you back. And, you know, we got the draft around the corner and we're going to look at some of the draft prospects and how you guys have graded them out and where you think we can fill in some needs. Obviously, you know, we expect guys like Sue to not be coming back. You know, we've got a lot of young guys that are looking to get some run at the linebacker position and, uh, you know, always talking about needing a guy that can go and get the quarterback off the edge. So uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that. But I appreciate it, Mike, so much for coming on. Guys, don't forget to go give him a follow at PFF underscore LA Rams. That is the PFF count. And then at PFF underscore Cahill, C-A-H-I-L-L. Uh, if you guys have any questions uh, for Mike, send them in to me. We'll ask. Uh, we're going to have some fun chatting. And then hopefully before the draft, we'll maybe do a little mock draft, talk about some players that we can pick. Uh, but I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks so much. I look forward to talking to you again pretty soon. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you very much for having me. It was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep. Last time that I checked, I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter mil, no sweat. Last time that I checked, I'm the streets voice out west. Legendary self made progress. Last time that I checked, first you get the money, then respect, then the power in the halls come next. Last time that I checked. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fancy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.